You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, we are in our season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you don't know what that is, the best way to find out more and learn and to get plugged in is simply to go to our website. And right on the top of the page, there is a link that says 21 days of prayer. And it is full of information of all kinds of things, of things that we're believing for and praying for as a church. There's simple tools to help you spend time with God there. There are 10 prayer declarations that we're believing as a tree line family in the year 2020 that God's going to show up in a big way. And honestly, we want to help you even beyond what we're believing for as a church. We believe that as you jump in and participate, that God has some breakthrough for you as well. So we want to encourage you to do that. Jump in with us in our 21 days of prayer. We believe that God's absolutely going to show up in your life in a big way. Today, we're continuing a series that we started last week. It's called Praying with Confidence, and it's based on a book by Jeff Leak um, called Praying with Confidence, right? And if you weren't here last week, we gave a book out to everyone. We've got one per household. So if you were not here, these are down on the welcome table when you get here. Um, So just when you leave, make sure you grab one of these. We've got one of these for everyone. We believe this will make a really big difference in your prayer life. It's a simple read. It's like five chapters, maybe less than 20 pages, and the rest of it are just 31 days of prayers that are spelled out. Maybe you need a little blueprint on how to spend time with God. It'll walk you through each of those days on how you can pray. So just want to encourage you to jump in, do that, join us as we start praying with confidence together. I wanted to share some stories with you about how God has specifically used prayer in my life and even how that's had an impact on you right now. Matter of fact, we wouldn't be here sitting in this room together, worshiping God, hearing this word. All of this happened because of prayer. We truly believe that we pray first, that it all starts with prayer. And that's absolutely how the story of Treeline begins. See, many years ago, I think actually going over six years ago, God put it in my heart that there was a church plant that was going to be happening. And I was actually kind of resistant because I was so overwhelmed. God, how will that happen? There's so many things that need to fall in place, and I don't even know where to start, and where would we go? Who would we partner with? Who would want to be a part of something like that? I don't think I'm qualified. You've got the wrong person. You know, all the excuses that you give God when he's, like, asking you to do something. And so as we begin to pray about this, this wasn't a short thing. This wasn't just a a little prayer like, God, we just need you to help, and boom, everything fell in place. This was about five years worth of praying and believing God that he was going to work this out. And I want to share a story with you that's something that's pretty incredible in our history as a church, how a lot of this began. See, we were living in Indiana, the state at the time. We were part of a wonderful church. There was a church plant when we started. Uh, we were there actually 10 years, worked with the youth ministry. It was an amazing church, amazing things happening there, but just felt that stirring that there was something next and didn't know what that was. Discovered that that was church planting, as I said. And so as we began to knock on that door and begin to pray, God was slowly putting the pieces into place, even before we knew what was happening. And I tell you that because I was at a conference And this was years ago. And I was at a conference in South Carolina of all places. And we were there and it was with a bunch of pastors. We're in the room and there was this optional service that you could go to that Wednesday night. It was actually the youth group service. Now this was a really big church. So like their youth group was, it was really big. It was like an arena. It was amazing. And so uh, I went and and not everyone went, just like a few people went, not all of the pastors, you know, out for me. I'm like, cool, I want to see this youth group. This is amazing. And so I go and I'm sitting in the absolute back row. They have a little 
little section for us pastors to keep us, like, you know, roped off from the rest of the students so we don't scare them away. I don't know what the deal was. But anyway, they had us roped off in the back, and we were all the way in the top row, like the peanut heaven, the nosebleed, right? We're all the way up there, and I'm in the back row, and I'm on the aisle seat on the end, and on the aisle seat on the other side of the aisle is another guy. It was another pastor. We just, like, I, you don't normally talk to the guy across the row, right? But I don't know what happened. It just, like, kind of a conversation just started happening. He starts telling me how he would recently planted a church in Columbus, Ohio. We're both here. I'm in Indiana. He's in Ohio. And we're like, oh, well, that's not that far apart. So we start talking and start sharing with him. I feel that someday God's called us to plant a church. And he's like, oh, man, well, here's my phone number. And so we put my phone number in my phone, right? And then we go off. You know, he's like, contact me. Reach out. I'd love to help you out any way I can with the church planting journey. God's done so much in our life. You know, the, the, whole, the whole spiel. Well, of course, I don't take him up on any of that offer, right? So I've got this contact in my phone. Completely forget all about it. I never call the guy. I never text the guy. And so all of a sudden, it's like a year later, and I remember this, this, this just comes up as we continue to pray. I remember this guy in Columbus. So I text him, and he's like, yeah, come out and visit so sometimes. So me and a, a former student who is now in college, we drove out, and we went and visited this church plant, and it lit me up. I was so excited. They were in their early stages like this. They were meeting in a school, like gymnasium, auditorium type thing, like a gymatorium. I don't even know if they're called a gymnasium, auditorium, gymatorium. That sounds right. Yeah. So it was just, I was so inspired like seeing their kids ministry, seeing people were excited to be there, all the setup, tear down. And, and so I'm like, man, this is awesome. And he talked to me and, you know, all the things and how he could help and everything. And so I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great. And then what do I do? I don't contact the guy again, right? It's just like, how is this working out? How is this the answer to prayer, Brian? Well, I'll tell you what, as we continued that prayer journey, we began to knock on the doors where we felt God wanted us to be. Long story short, and I've shared this before, we felt that God put Pittsburgh in our hearts, which we were surprised. I'm from here. This is hometown. I love this place, but just never thought in a million years, this is where God would have us go. And so in this journey, as we were thinking about praying about this journey, there's several people along the way are like, hey, have you considered Pittsburgh? Have you considered Pittsburgh? There's this guy, this pastor there, his name's Jeff Leak, who coincidentally wrote this book. He helps church planters. They've helped like a hundred churches get started and plant. You should connect with this guy. I'm like, I've never, I'm from Pittsburgh. I've never heard of this guy. I don't know. And then all of a sudden this light bulb moment happens. I realized that this guy, this pastor that I connected with in Ohio is a part of the same group, the same network, the same church planting, and they know each other. So I'm like, oh man, can this really be this simple? So I get out my phone and I text them and I'm like, hey, would you be able to connect me um, with this Jeff Lee guy? We're kind of feeling that maybe God's putting Pittsburgh on our heart. We'd like to connect with him. He texts back immediately. He's like, yeah, just one second. And then he gets back with me. He's like, yeah, he said, here's his cell phone number. Just go ahead and call him. I'm like, like, what? Like, this, this guy's busy, big church pastor. He just says, I'm, I'm super intimidated. Like, do I use an emoji? Do I keep it serious? Keep the punctuation? You know what I mean? Like, praise hands. Like, I don't know. I'm like really intimidated. And so I, I text him and, I, and I'm like, I'm just going to text this guy. I haven't even talked to him before. So I, I just text, you know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, we'll start up. He's just like, just give me a call. So we just call and we're on the phone. I kid you not. I'm pulled over. We were on a road trip on this phone call I had with him. I had to pull over. We're in this McDonald's parking lot. My friend who was on the road trip with me goes in just to give me some space while I'm on this car, in this car, on this phone, in the rental car, having this conversation with this pastor I've never met, and I'm super intimidated. I tell him what God, we feel God's calling us to do, planning a church in Pittsburgh, looking for someone to come alongside us to help us, to be a part of that, to partner with us. And as I'm having this three-minute conversation with him, he's just like, well, you know, we haven't met yet, but, you know, I don't, I don't really know you or anything, but I'm inclined 
inclined to say yes, but let's get together. I'm like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, I have this outstanding prayer, and God just pretty much sends me church planters, so this isn't surprising to me at all. So yeah, but let's get together first, and I'll pray about it. You pray about it, but you know, I'm inclined just to that this is a yes. Let's do this, and I'm like, okay. And so we get together like a couple weeks later, meet at the Starbucks all the way up in the north side of Pittsburgh in Hampton, way up, way up north of the city. I am so nervous to sit down and meet this guy. We sit down at the Starbucks and we start talking. I share my heart, our vision. He shares about what they're about. And he's just like, yeah, let's do this. And I'm like, you don't even know me. Like I could be some like creep or what? I mean, he didn't. He actually, the pastor that, you know, gave me the reference, backed me up and everything that he knew, some of my story and what I was doing and everything. But I just want to tell you that the power of that prayer and how God works through that prayer, and you may never understand how he works through that, that we're sitting in this room today. Can you get this? Because I went to a pastor's conference in South Carolina, I don't know how many years ago, sat on the aisle row across from a guy who happened to have a connection in the city that God called us to plant in, who just just happens to help churches get planted and started in Pittsburgh in the Northeast. I mean, I don't know. It could be a coincidence or there could be a God who works through prayer and does some amazing things in our life. And I wanted to share that story with you so you know that all of this that has happened, what God is doing through us in Treeline has happened through prayer. And it's amazing to see how God is answering those prayers. We had a phone call. We had a Starbucks. And here we are. The rest is history. They have supported us. They gave us our largest financial gift to get us up off the ground. They have coached us. They've come around us. They still continue to be a support to us. And it's amazing that all came through prayer. And when God provides those opportunities, come on, somebody. Now it's next time someone's trying to give you your number and not some like, come on, guys. I'm not saying like some girl. It's not like a relationship way. Not like, hey, I feel like the Spirit's telling me you should give me your number. Not like that. Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy, dude. Don't. 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 But maybe in just like in a ministry, starting a church, maybe that way, or a business. You never know. You never know the contacts that God will put into your life that he will use and answer those prayers. We're talking about praying with confidence. And last week, as we started this, if you missed last week's message, really encourage you to go listen online or the podcast and get caught up. But we were talking about this verse that tells us that we can approach God with confidence and that he will answer our prayers, what? If we align our prayers with his will. Basically, God says, if you are aligning my, your prayers with my will, I will give you what you ask. And so we understand that we can come to confidence with God, that we can pray, and that when we align our prayers with his will, he is wanting to answer those prayers. And I don't know about you, but when I first came to a relationship with God, it was incredibly intimidating because pastors and everyone, they're always telling you, you got to spend time with God, right? In Sunday school, you got to spend time with God. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. Here we are at Treeline Church. Now we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it's, it can seem so incredibly intimidating. How do we do that, right? How do we spend time with God? And we don't know what to do, and sometimes we have the best intentions, right? And we talked about this last week. Sometimes we're like, man, I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time with God. We get out, right? We're going to stand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kneel. I'm even going to get the posture, and then I pray everything that I think I know to pray, and I'm 30 seconds in, and I'm like, now what? right? Like, where do I go from here? Like, I, I, I'm exhausted. I have nothing else I can pray. And I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you felt that way, but we're going to talk about what we can do and how we can begin to pray, because I want to open up with this, because I believe this is true. Nothing will impact your life more than developing a daily habit of prayer. I think we've got that for the screen. Nothing will impact your life more than developing a daily habit of prayer. And I believe that this is true, that you can have all 
kinds of habits. You can have healthy habits where you eat right and exercise, and it's January. So everyone's trying to do the New Year's resolution. We want to better ourselves, right? We want to work on our relationships, our marriage, on our health. And you can do things that put things in place that create those healthy habits. Matter of fact, there's something, there's this phrase that has been coined called a keystone habit. What is a keystone habit? A keystone habit is simply a habit that would put into a place, think of a keystone, like on an arch, it's the, what makes the whole arch possible. It holds it all together. It's the keystone. And so a keystone habit is the same thing. We could put a habit in place that actually produces other habits and good benefits in our life. Well, what do you mean, Brian? For instance, say you ate fast food all of the time and you decided you were going to put a habit into place. Instead of eating fast food all the time, you're going to start eating whole healthy foods at home instead. Now, what would happen? That would turn into a keystone habit. Why? Because think of the effects in your life. If you stopped eating fast food all the time and started eating whole healthy foods, what would be the benefits? Well, first of all, you'd probably save a lot of money, right? So that's a great habit that you're not spending money eating out. And then you'd probably start feeling better. You'd perform at work would probably go up. You'd probably start performing at a better level because now you're getting the proper nutrition, right? You'd probably even start looking better, maybe losing a little weight and your skin's like, well, what's that glow? It's like, man, I lost that grease fried thing, you know? I'm, I'm like looking good now, right? It's a keystone habit. And the same thing is true. And I believe this with all my heart. There are several keystone habits for us when it comes to Christ followers. And I believe with all of my heart that prayer is a keystone habit for our lives, it's not just something that we do and it doesn't have any other effect, but it has an impact on every single aspect of our life. That when you begin to have a daily prayer habit, it affects your life and your family and your relationships and your work and your school and your home. Everything, your productivity, I truly believe that prayer is a keystone habit. When we begin to pray, what happens? We begin to get clarity and perspective that God speaks to us and shows us the will that he has for our life. Many times it can lighten the burden of stress in our life and the, the burdens that we carry, that we give them over to him. It can clear our conscience as we ask for forgiveness of the things and maybe you've been beating yourself up and living with things that you've been going through instead of just carrying and holding them on to him in that prayer time, you can give them over to God. Matter of fact, we can actually expect, and this is something that's so important to me, to be a better spouse, a better husband or wife, a better parent, a, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, whatever, that it can help us be better in that. And I know this to be true because in my life, prayer is like this spiritual barometer for me. And what does that mean? I can tell in my attitude when I have not been spending time with God. Because you know why? The first people who are affected in my life are my wife and my kids. Why? Because I can tell that my attitude starts getting real crappy real quick when I've not been spending time with God. And you're like, well, Brian, you're a pastor. You were a cave. Apparently, you were always great to you. I mean, you like, you should get an award for the great husband and dad you are. No, I can be a piece of garbage sometimes. I'm just telling you. And I can tell in my life when I haven't spent time with God, it's one of those first indicators for me. I'm like, why? Why am I being such a jerk? Why did I just yell at them? Man, I just caught a glimpse of my face in the mirror when I was saying that. And dang, <laughs> you are evil. Like, what's the deal? And I can tell it's because I haven't spent time with God. And see, when we ask ourselves this question, and many times you get, if you have this question maybe asked to you, how is your prayer life? It seems like very few people, as long as they've been following Jesus, answer, it's awesome. Like, it's top notch. It's top shelf. I'm living my best prayer life. Many times we feel like, I, I don't know. I feel like I could pray more. I could read my Bible more. and I'm not doing much. I don't really know what I'm doing. And so we're asking ourselves this question, how do I pray effectively? 
How do I pray effectively? And so we're going to jump in in Luke 11, 1. And this is some of the disciples, and we're with Jesus, and this is what it says. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John, John the Baptist, taught his disciples. See, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. So Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? So I would think as Christ followers, this is a pretty important thing, right? We like... Well, man, if you're going to learn to pray from someone, you would want to learn from Jesus, right? Just like if you wanted to learn how to throw a football, you would learn from Mason Rudolph. No, I'm just kidding, right? We just won't go there. We won't go there. You'd probably want to learn from Tom Brady. But anyway, if you wanted to learn how to shoot basketball, right? They would be like, LeBron, right? I want to be out there with him. On the, He's going to show me how to shoot hoops. Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. And so here's what we see. And we fast forward, Matthew 6, 9, 13. Same story, and this is how Jesus answers. He tells them this is how he should pray. And some of you could probably quote this and not even need to read this on the screen. Jesus says this, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, some of you learned that in like the King James. You're like, that wasn't quite right, but I got what you're saying. I mean, it's just, a, it's a really popular prayer. And see, a lot of times people think when Jesus teaches us how to pray using the Lord's prayer, most famous prayer in the Bible, without a doubt, Jesus wasn't saying pray these exact words all the time. Now, there's nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's prayer. That's something that can be very comforting to us. It's something that is, is true, but it's, Jesus wasn't saying when you pray, pray and use these exact words. What Jesus was saying, it was giving us a pattern. He was giving us a method. He was giving us some structure on how we can pray effectively. So what we're going to do today is we're going to jump in and take a look. And this is, comes directly from Jeff Leak's book on praying with confidence. He does a great job of breaking it down into six ways that we can learn from the Lord's prayer, how we can pray with effectiveness. And I want to, before we move on here, we're in our 21 days of prayer. And if you don't know what that means, every January as a church, we set aside the first part of our year. We spend 21 days, three weeks praying and fasting. So some people are giving up food. Some people are doing a soul fast where they're putting social media to the side for a little bit, just giving up something to say, God, we're gonna deny our flesh in some way because we are so desperate for you to move. And we need our spirit to rise up. God, I need to hear you. I need to hear you speak your plan for my life. I need to know that you're with me. I need you to intervene in my home, in my marriage, with my kids kids and my job, whatever it is. And so we're in that season and it's been amazing. Matter of fact, we have prayer meetings all throughout the 21 days and we started them this week. And I know this is early, but 6 a.m., 6 to 7, we meet Monday through Friday. And if you would like to join us, and I know that doesn't work with everyone's schedule. Sometimes you can't do that. Got to get to work, but you got to get your kids to school, whatever. But if it's just sleep, you can get up because I'm a night owl, right? I would rather stay up till 6 a.m. than get up for 6 a.m. Anyone else? Come on. I'm not a morning person. And my butt has been there every morning at 6 a.m. and pray. And I want to encourage you. Alyssa's like, yeah, because she's been there too. She knows. I want to encourage you, come join us for one or two or three of these throughout the 21 days. If that's too early for you, we have a 9 a.m. on Saturdays. We had our first one this Saturday. And I know the pastor exaggerates, but let me tell you something. Ask one of the people that were there. There were about nine of us, 10 of us there. 
It was awesome. It was amazing. Spontaneous song broke out. I think a dove descended. No, I'm just kidding. It was amazing. It was awesome. The pastor exaggerates. But no, it was powerful prayer together. It was amazing to see what God does when we come together and pray. It was awesome. So I want to encourage you with that. But beyond that, as we go through these six things, here's what I want to challenge you for. 21 days, maybe too much. But I want to challenge you from now till next Sunday, take seven days. And as we look through these six things, take three to five minutes on each of these, pray 15 to 20 minutes for the next seven days. That's the challenge I'm throwing out there to you and see if this doesn't make a difference in your life. See if you do not feel different by spending time in the next seven days, 20 minutes a day, maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, lunchtime, it doesn't matter. Figure out what works for you, throwing down the challenge, see how this works and see if you don't feel significantly better. All right, we're going to get through these. Buckle up. Brian's intro was a little longer than he planned. Number one, we're going to worship. I focus on who he is. So this is the first one. It is worship. We focus on who God is. Now, this is something for me. I love worship. Some people are wired differently. Like they're not like worship just doesn't do it for them. But this is something that's really important that we do. And a lot of times worship is associated with music. And that can be a great way to worship God if you enjoy that type of thing. And we've got a playlist put together for you. It's on the um, Treeline website, 21 Days of Prayer. We've even got your worship playlist. Come on, someone. You just have to click a link and there's all the worship music for you there to listen and you just worship because why is worship important because worship changes our focus and see when we see the beginning of that prayer our father in heaven praise to be your name here's the three things that it changes our focus our relationship with our father it and under help us it changes our focus to our rights who's in heaven and then the recognition of praising his name why is this important one of our daughters, um, when we, one of our daughters got a microscope for Christmas this year, and I was pretty excited because I'm a science guy too, and I geek out, you know, and I'm like, this is awesome. We can like look at stuff and see it swimming around. And I remember when I was in middle school, it was the first time I really got to play around with a microscope, and I had this cut on my finger, and I remember I stuck it under the microscope, and I looked at it in the science room, and I was like, good God, that's disgusting. Like, there is a serious, vile, like, river of death flowing through my finger right now. You know, because it was like kind of gross and still raw and everything. But I don't know if you've ever looked at like something that through a microscope, it was horrible. I mean, it was terrible. I'm like, I'm going to the teacher. I'm like, this needs amputated. Like, I'm going to die. You should see this under the microscope. It's, it's horrible. I'm pretty sure I just saw an amoeba riding a pony across my finger. It was, it was sick, right? It's just disgusting because what happens is this is what happens with our perspective. That in life, we get so focused, we get so zoomed in on this microscopic view of the problems in our life that we lose perspective. Here's what I know is true. If I would ask you, list the problems that are going on in your life right now. You'd have no problem. Like, oh, here we go. Let me get my list out. One, two, three, four, five. Matter of fact, here's the next five, Brian. I got 15. I can tell you all the problems right now that are facing in my life. But worship changes our perspective from that of a microscopic view to a telescopic view. What happens when you look through a telescope and you see all of the expanse of the universe? And this is what happens when we worship God. It takes our focus off of looking through that microscope and blowing up all of our problems and saying, instead of focusing here, I'm going to see how big my God is and how great he is. And I'm going to worship him. And yeah, I've got this going on in my life and it doesn't mean that these problems go away, but I'm not going to focus on them. Instead, I'm going to focus on the goodness of my God and who he is. 
Matter of fact, David, the psalmist, puts this great way for us, and I love that we can see his humanity and the struggle that he faces here in the back and forth on where he should focus. In Psalm 57, he says this, I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Dramatic much, David, right? So he's like, I, I am going through hell. It is agony. It is terrible. These people are horrible. But then what does he go to in verse 5? Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And we see this in David, this vacillation, this going back and forth between, God, you are so good. Oh my gosh, these problems are terrible. They're going to kill me. God, you are so wonderful. You want this. I'm going to kill them, God. Give them what they deserve. But God, you are amazing. And that's so much what happens in our life when we get to praise God. It takes the focus off of what we are going through and puts the focus on who he is. Three to five minutes, start there. Worship God. Give it all to him. God, I know this is what I'm going through, but I'm choosing to worship you. Now, for me, I could put some worship music on and spend the whole 20 minutes just getting lost in worship. I love it. But just maybe that's something you have to work on. Three to five minutes spending time worshiping God. Change your perspective. The second point is this. The second thing that we can learn from this prayer is agreement. That I declare the promises of his will. In the Lord's Prayer, where it says, on earth as it is in heaven, we are coming into agreement with the promises of God's will in our life. See, we can declare God's will into our situation, that we can rest on the promises. We talked about this last week, that the word of God is fuel, it's ammunition for our prayers. Why? Because we are standing on the promises that God has spoke. God is not a man that he should lie. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is no respecter of persons. He will do what he said he will do. And so when we begin to understand that, and we declare and stand on the promises that he has given us. Now, if you want to know what that looks like, there's a really great way in the book. In Deuteronomy 28, there are some promises that God gives. He says, if you follow after me, if you're living a life for me, here's some promises that I'm going to give you that you can take to the bank and you can declare in your life. And Jeff, in the book, does a great job on page 71, gives us a bunch of declarations that you can begin to pray in your life as a Christ follower. And I got four of them for us today on the screen. And now we're going to go interactive. You guys ready? You guys ready to warm up the vocal cords? We're going to go interactive. We got a couple of declarations. I'm going to put on the screen. I'm going to ask you to read along with me. The first one says this. Come on, read along. I declare your blessings. Oh, this is sad. Come on, guys. A little more like you really mean it. Not like, I declare your blessings. Not like, like you mean it. Come on. I declare your blessings on my ability to produce. Bless the work of my hands. Bless my children and prosper their efforts. Multiply the harvest of my life. Give me a multiplied return for all all my investments. That comes from 28 verses. Is that powerful? Begin to pray that in your life. The next one, I declare your blessing upon the intake of my life and of my family's life. May you protect us from any harm and any disease. May you keep us from any harmful intake of any media, any relationship, or any other source. May the diet of my life and the life of my home be free from destructive influences. 
Doing good. Two more. Come on, let's get this next one. I declare your victory over any spiritual attack against me, my home, and all those under my care. Through the enemy, that's just though the enemy comes at me in one direction, may he be so defeated that he will flee in seven directions. Last one here. I declare that you send a blessing on my finances and possessions and everything that comes from the work of my hands. May you bless me and increase me in the destiny you have for me. Bless me to the degree that I also may overflow with resources for people in need and advancement of your kingdom. Come on, somebody. That is powerful stuff. And that's just a couple of them from Deuteronomy 28 that you can begin to pray and declare those promises. Believe that for your kids. Believe that for your job. Believe what God's doing in your life. Now, we didn't stop there as a church. We have 10 prayer declarations. We shared one of those with you this last week that we are declaring and believing. And I'm telling you, we've done this. This is actually our third year doing this. This is two years now as a church. We did this before we even started, that we had declarations that we were believing for God to answer. Let me tell you, God has been faithful to show up every year as we declared his word and stood in agreement with him. And I wanted to share one with you. This is actually our fifth declaration for 2020. And I want to read this along. Read this with me. We declare that we will not be afraid, but instead we will trust God. Our willingness to act will not be dependent on our circumstances, but in the leading of the Spirit. So we are believing that as a church, we will not be afraid. We will not let what we see in front of us. doesn't matter what the circumstances say. It doesn't matter what the report says. It doesn't matter the attitude they have or the person's acting a fool. None of that matters. We are not going to let our faithfulness and obedience be determined by what we are seeing in God. We will not be afraid. We will trust and we will be led by his spirit. Come on, someone. That's what we're believing for you in 2020. We're believing that for us as a church that we are declaring, and there's two verses there, Hebrews 11, 1, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, that really show that in scripture, that we are standing on God's promises and God's words for our life. So the first one was worship, spending a couple minutes there. The next one is agreement. And the third one is thanksgiving. I remember what he has done. This is the first part in the scripture where it says, give us this day our daily bread. See, when we have thanksgiving, we are documenting what we are thankful for. So many times we become, we become numb to all the blessings, all the great things that we have in our life and something that's a discipline that I put in my life. Every November, I work really hard to every single day. First of all, I post nothing negative on social media, which I've tried to just in my life wash out anyway. I've been, there's been plenty of social media toasts, type it out, delete, right? No one need, I don't need to complain to the face, but there's so much negativity. Matter of fact, I have curated my social media feeds, like the constant negativity. I love you. I'll be your friend, but unfollow, right? I just, I don't need it, right? So this is something that we can do that when we have Thanksgiving and so in November, I would post something that I'm grateful for every day. And this is something that I've seen other people do. Get a gratitude journal. Every day, write one thing down you were thankful for. Get that notes app out, title it thankfulness. Right underneath there, every single day, just one thing you were thankful for. Because what happens when we begin to do this, worship changes our perspective of things and thankfulness changes our attitude. I mean, if you have kids, you know how this works, right? Because the kid wants everything. They want a pony. They want this. They want to stay up. They don't have enough of this. And, they want and you're thinking like, have you looked in your room? Have you seen all the things you got for Christmas? Do you remember? You're so mean. We never get to do anything. Do you remember the trip that we took? Do you remember going to the beach? Do you remember Kenny? What do you got? Be thankful for the things that we have. 
But when we grow up, this doesn't disappear in our lives, does it? It's so easy to lose focus of the things, the blessings that we have to be thankful for and instead chasing something else. But we've got to stop and pause and spend some time, three to five minutes. God, I am thankful for what you've done. Thank you for my family. Thank you for health. Thank you that I have a job that I can work, that I can provide for my family. Thank you I have a roof over my head. Thank you, and we pray with this with our kids. Thank you that I have a school to go to and learn and become educated. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for my teachers, people who invest into my life. See, Thanksgiving will begin to change your attitude. And see, here's what I know to true. You will be miserable or joyful in your life in proportion to the amount of thankfulness you have. See, it's all about beginning to change your attitude. And people who are miserable constantly lose sight of all of the amazing things. We, that doesn't mean that there aren't bad things going on. It doesn't mean that there aren't needs that need met in our life. We're just choosing to remember and give God thanks for all the things that he has done in our life. So that's the third one, thanksgiving. The fourth one is this, requests. I ask for what I need and desire. Now, I think most of us get this one, right? I don't need to spend a lot of time on this. We understand giving God our requests. And many times it just seems like when we come to prayer, this might be the only thing that we know, right? It's just simply, God, we just whipped out the laundry list. God, here's what everything I need you to do for me. But see, this is an important part. Matter of fact, we talked about this last week. God wants you to make requests of him. Matter of fact, God loves you and he cares about you. And there's even some verses that say, hey, if he takes care of those birds over there, if he takes care of those fields over there, see like that grass, those weeds growing over there. I mean, if God's going to take care of them, don't you think you matter a whole lot more to him than that bird, than that plant over there? That God loves you. The word says that he is a good father and he loves to give his children good gifts. And if someone comes to their father and says, hey, can I have some bread? Gives them a rock. And it's ridiculous, right? God loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to live a full life. He wants you to experience all these great blessings that he has for you, that you can come to him, that you can make your requests known to him. And here's what you got to know in this, though, that God, he won't answer every request. Why? Because you need to be spoiled. It's just like your kid. You don't give him everything you want. And here's what I know. God can answer a prayer in three different ways. He can say yes, he can say no, or he can say not right now. And here's what I know to be true, and this is something that has been so hard in my life, is that we have got to get to a point in our relationship with God that we have to be willing to trust how he answers us. In the same way that if you've ever had children, you need your kids to trust that you have their best interest in heart. They may not understand. They may hate it. Your kids may hate that you've got time limits on their devices. They may hate their bedtime. They may hate the rules that you have in your house, the guidelines that you have for them. What, why do you do? Because you have their best interest in heart. And God has your best interest at heart. He loves you and he cares with you. And you've got to be able to surrender and say, God, here's what I'm believing for. Here's what I asking you to do, but God, I am trusting that you have my best interest at heart. The fifth one is this, confession. I forgive and pursue forgiveness. This is the part where he says we forgive, and maybe you remember the translation that says we forgive our trespassers of those who have trespassed against us. This is something that's really important that we've got to spend time confessing. Why? Because many times in our lives, we end up carrying things in our life that are really heavy. 
Many of us have been carrying baggage, and some of you have been carrying baggage around for years. Matter of fact, you have been carrying it around so long that you don't even remember what life was like before you had to lug that baggage around. And what am I specifically talking about? Sometime we have to take inventory of our heart and lighten our load because there are two things that we constantly carry around with us. We carry around guilt and we carry around hurt. See, the guilt is maybe something that we have done, that we've messed up and we made a mistake. And here's a newsflash. If you have come to Jesus or you've not come to him, you are going to mess up. You are going to make mistakes. I have failed. I have hurt people. I have wounded. I have failed miserably at some things in my life. I have let people down. I have wounded others. I have let myself down. And see, what can happen so many times we carry around that guilt and we feel like it's our fault and we've messed up and you may have made a mistake, but here's what you've got to know. The God that loved you and created you and sent Jesus to have relationship with you, he says, when you come to relationship with me, you can bring those sins to me. I will forgive them to you. And then the word God says, as far as the east is from the west. That is how I don't quote any of those things against you. I don't see you that way. There's another verse that says he has made us white as snow. He has forgiven us. He doesn't hold it against you. He's not saying, you know, you're some second-rate follower of me because I saw your past, what you did. No, he is saying you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when you understand confession, you can bring that guilt and you can say, God, I just need you to forgive me. God, I messed up again. God, it's, I almost feel embarrassed, Lord. It's like the 22nd time this hour, right? But I just need to ask you forgiveness. Confess in my heart, Lord, that I've messed up. I need you to forgive me. I'm not going to continue to run, but help me, God to get over that, to not do that anymore. God, forgive me of that, and God will forgive you. The second thing that we've got to take inventory in our heart and confession is the hurt. Because in that verse where it says we forgive our transgressions or forgive our mess-ups as we forgive those who have transgressed against us, basically that's saying that we have to release and forgive the people who have hurt us. And this can be like a whole other sermon series diving into this. But I know this to be true, that as Christ followers, God asks us to forgive others. Why? Why does he ask us to do that? Because he says he first forgave us. And because he forgave us, none of us deserved it, right? We can forgive others. And they don't deserve it. I'm not going to sit up here and say that you need to forgive people and they deserve it and that you're forgiven. You're going to become best friends. It might take time to work through, but you've got to confess that hurt and you've got to release those people who have hurt you, who have wounded you, who have done wrong to you. That you've got to trust God that he's going to make it right. That you're not looking for vindication. That you're not going to make it right. That you're not going to tell them what's up, but you're simply going to say, God, this hurt at a real level. God, this, this, this wounded me and they, and they hurt me. This was someone who's supposed to be for me. This was someone who's supposed to be taking care of me, looking after me, we're in relationship, whoever it was. God, but I release them, I confess it, and I forgive them. I release them for what they have done to me. The last one is this number six as we wrap up. Number six is declaration. I align my lips and my life with God's promises. I align my lips and my life with God's promises. See, just as we read through those declarations, this is something that we've got to do. We've got to align our lips. What does that mean? We've got to begin to declare that. We've, some of us need to get rid of that negative talk. Some of us have been doing os opposite of the prayer declarations. We've been speaking all the negativity. We've been speaking death. We haven't been speaking life at all. Matter of fact, we've been declaring how terrible, how rotten things are, how that'll never change. That person will never change. This will never change. This is going to be terrible. They're awful. They'll be just like this. And this is how it always was. And all of those things that we can get so caught up in, but we've got to begin to 
align our lips and the words that we speak and begin to declare God's promises, to declare his life. And not only that, we got to just back it up with our actions. Our lips and our life, our actions have got to back up what God has spoken to us. See, the temptations that we have from the past, we got to declare and say, God, the temptations that I faced before, I'm declaring and believing in my life that they won't have a grip on me, they won't control me, they won't de determine the destination of my life. I'm believing it, that when the evil one comes against me, I'm going to stand against it and say, no, devil, not my home, not my family, not my marriage. I'm going to declare the goodness of who God is, that he has set this to happen. Matter of fact, God, you said that what you created and put this marriage together, that nothing could come against it. So God, I'm going to stand and believe believe this is what you say. This is what you believe. This is who you say I am, that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that I'm going to overcome, that I'm going to see a victory, God. I'm going to declare it in my life. They begin to let your lips, your words, and your life, your action begin to line that and declare the victory in your life, declare God's victory in your family. Friends, the challenge, spend three to five minutes on each one of these for the next seven days. And I believe that you will begin to see growth. Why is that so important? Because I believe that you will never grow like you need to until you take ownership of the development of your own soul. You will never grow like you need to grow until you take the ownership of the development of your own soul. See, it's, it's great to come on Sundays. It's great to have awesome worship. It's great to have a teaching. And it's just like, man, that's so inspiring. But see, you will stall out if you do not truly learn how to grow and get with God on your own. That you can't just go from the week to week high. It can't just be like, go to church and then nothing in between. Go to church and just punch the clock. But God is looking for some people who want to spend time with him. That you need to seek spiritual inspiration in your life on a daily basis. You've got to spend time with him. And see, until you begin to do that, you will always be at a certain level in your relationship with God. But if you want your life to go to that next level, you want your spiritual walk to go to that next level, then you've got to spend time in prayer. So take that challenge this week. Three to five minutes on each of these. They're in the book. You can follow along. It's all there, blueprinted. Spend three to five minutes in six of those categories, 15 to 20 minutes each day, and see what God does. See if it doesn't begin to change your attitude, your outlook. See if it doesn't begin to change the way that you interact with people. See if it doesn't change your mood and your behavior. See if God doesn't begin to show up even in seemingly small ways in your life. I can't wait to hear what God does in your life. And if you are a young person here today, if you're a teenager, if you're in middle school, you're in high school, you have an opportunity from the beginning, from a young age, to get this right. And I've even seen this in my life. I've seen this in the life of others. I've worked for teens for years. Being able to pray now and spend time with God, and it will set you on the right path. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to spend time with you in January in these 21 days of prayer and fasting and giving the first part of our year to you. God, and even as we jump in this series in January and learning what it looks like to pray with confidence. God, I just pray that today that this word that was spoken, this teaching, this going through the steps, Lord, as you taught us how to pray. God, that we would take these steps and we'd begin to apply them and we would spend time with you, God. I just even pray for those who still feel intimidated or feel that this is something that's beyond them or this is for other people and I'm not really one of those spiritual people. I'm not really those praying people. I'm not really into worship and what does that mean? What does that look like? God, I pray that they would just start where they are and God, you would be faithful to meet them right where they are, Jesus. 
God, we just thank you. God, that prayer is powerful. God, we thank you for these times and these moments that we have to spend with you. Help us, God, to rise to this challenge and spend some time with you, Lord, praying, seeking you. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we just want to give you the opportunity that if you are here today and you have never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. See, we talked about keystone habits and talked about putting things in place that really set us up for success. And honestly, the greatest keystone in our lives is the keystone of putting Christ first and surrendering our will and our life to him. Because here's what messes us up and trips us up sometimes. As many times we come to God or we're upset or we're angry at him because he didn't come through in the way that we thought. He said, I, I prayed the prayer. I cried out and God didn't do the thing that I wanted him to do. But see, we've got to start by surrendering our will and our life to him. And saying, God, I trust you, even if I don't get the answer that the way I want, God, I'm going to surrender my life because I am in need of a Savior. I can't do this on my own. None of us are good enough. We can't earn our way to a relationship with him. He simply says, come to me. Come to relationship. Come as you are. Come as the mess. Come in the brokenness. Come in the sin patterns. Come in the anger and the hate and the bitterness. Whatever it is, he's saying, just come to me. You don't have to have perfect. You don't have to have it all together. He just wants you. He wants relationship with you. If you've never said that prayer today, or maybe you're here today, and one time you said that prayer, you were following after God, and I don't know what happened. Here's what's true. It doesn't matter what happened. Maybe life got busy. Maybe you got upset at God. Maybe someone that you love got hurt or sick. Maybe you'd understand how a good God could allow some terrible things to happen, and you couldn't just follow him anymore, and so you just got angry. You walked away, drifted away. It doesn't matter. If that's you today in either one of those categories, if you say for the first time, I want to say yes. I want to invite Christ into my life. I want to surrender and take that first step. Or you're saying, I want to come back to a relationship with him. I need to commit my life and say, I'm going to begin to follow after you again. Say, God, I need you in my life. I can't do this. I surrender. Today, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I'm just going to ask you to simply slip up your hand. We're not going to ask you to come up. We're not going to single you out. We're just asking while no one's looking around to slip up your hand and say, God, Brian, include me in that prayer. One, two, three. Slip up that hand if that's you. Awesome. Awesome. I see that hand. All right, would you bow your heads with me and pray and repeat after me. Everyone repeat out loud so that no one has to pray alone. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Come into my heart. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer for those who made a decision to come to Christ? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees change by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.